is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker, an author, and an executive coach. And today, I am over the moon excited to welcome Michael Osborne and Claire McInerney to the show. Today, we're going to talk about podcasting and how it can be a tool in your business. So I brought on two people who have helped me take my podcast to a brand new level, and I'm really jazzed to dive into a conversation. Michael has more than 12 years of experience as a podcast creator and host, and he's head of the 14th Street Studios, a podcast production and marketing firm based in Austin, Texas. And Claire is amazing, has been with me for years, and she's the executive producer of Your Working Life and has her own business working as an audio producer, editor, and writer. So we're going to flip the script and Claire will be our host and lead a conversation about the power of podcasting. Claire, I will pass the mic to you. Thank you. It's fun to kind of be on the other end. Uh, Normally I'm editing these episodes, so it's fun to be a part of the conversation. First, I want to talk with Michael a little bit about his experience because I'm the person that introduced Michael to Caroline, and he's taught me a lot about podcasting. I know he's taught her a lot. So I want to start with you. So Michael, tell us how you got into podcasting, and then give us a brief overview of your career in this industry. Uh, Okay. Thanks for having me, both of you. It is really exciting to be here. So uh, how I got into podcasting is I'm a bit of a refugee from academia. Uh, About 12 years ago, uh, I was working on a PhD at Stanford in earth sciences, and uh, it wasn't going how I wanted it to go. So I went to the Career Counseling Center Uh, And a woman there said, have you ever thought about starting a podcast, which really led me on a whole new journey and uh, shout out to career counselors. Um, It was uh, one of those serendipitous moments. So I ended up starting a show. uh, It was environmental focused and it kind of caught on. This was sort of early days of podcasting. And then uh, let's see. I did end up seeing the degree all the way through, uh, but also tried to grow the show along the way. We ended up partnering with grist.org and then later Smithsonian. Uh, Then I got hired by Stanford to uh, essentially build out a podcast incubator for the the university, um, which was thrilling, a very exciting job. Uh, And so I worked as a creator and producer um, at Stanford, first as a graduate student and then later as an employee. And uh, all along the way, I've been experimenting with a variety of podcast formats and uh, show concepts. Uh, These days, I now live in Austin, Texas, where I run 14th Street Studios, podcast marketing and production firm. Uh, And I work as both a creator and a consultant for a wide variety of projects. Great. And so um, when I left my job in public radio to work in podcasting, you were one of the first people I got connected to, to learn about this industry because my skill set transferred, but I just didn't know much about um, what it looked like to work in this industry. And I eventually connected you with Caroline, who was looking for someone to help her with strategy for her podcast, give feedback. So I'd love to hear from the two of you about 
what it was you worked on together and what was the plan or the set of recommendations you came up with to make your working life even better than it already was. So let's start with you, Caroline. Talk about that, starting that relationship with Michael. Absolutely. It, it was a game changer. But first, Michael, let me say how cool that a career counselor, a career coach pointed you to podcasting. I did not know that little factoid. So thank you for that. <laughs> that is good to hear. And yay to the career coaches at the industry. You're doing them proud. So Amen to here's that. the deal. Claire and... <laughs> Claire and I have been working together with our other colleague, Laura Deck, for many years on Your Working Life. And several years ago, we had a huddle, a virtual huddle, because we all live in different parts of the country, and said, how do we up our game? And we did several things that I can talk about later about what took us to a different level. But the reality is the world of podcasting is constantly evolving and very quickly. So as we exited the pandemic proper, right at the end of what I would say 2022, and I pivoted and left my organization and decided to be in my business full time, I said, you know what? It's it's time. We need to up our game again, not only to be competitive and be something sought after by the listeners, but also to see how can this really fit into my business. And Michael is a rock star, and I say that. We're so thrilled to have him on this show today, but he helped me pull back the curtain of this beautifully growing industry and understand the resources and really work with me as a consultant expert to take it to a new level. He helped me identify platforms that could help me track our metrics, our listening audience. Um, We talked a lot about the storyline of shows and what is going to be appropriate, I should say, and empowering to the listener. Because let's face it, there's a lot out there and the listeners can be very discerning. So it was a practical workshop experience that was so helpful because he taught me, he introduced me to resources that I still follow and watch today and helped me understand the trends in the industry at large. And I'm, I'm really proud of the work we did and grateful to Michael. And Michael, tell me a little bit about when someone like Caroline comes to you who has a show established or has an idea or a really strong start. What is it that you work with them on? What are you trying to teach people in her position? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, frankly, Caroline already spoke to a lot of it, but I do think that the you know, there's there's sort of two things to be thinking about. One is what's happening inside the show and what's happening outside the show. Uh, inside the show, you know, there's a lot of always opportunity to to some creative development, to think about story, to think about how you are speaking to your audience, who your audience is, how you're organizing uh, everything that happens with the listening experience. And I love that creative development work. And then outside of that, there's just a long laundry list of all kinds of activities that you might undertake to grow your show. And as Caroline said, it's a big sort of messy landscape. It's an exciting space. There's all kinds of opportunity for new creators to come on board, for people to find and connect with new audiences. Uh, But it's also so large and sprawling and kind of hard to get your head around. So one of the things I, I like to try and do is One, offer some sort of 30,000-foot view perspective on the space. How many listeners are there out there? How much time are they making to listen week to week? What kinds of shows are they on the lookout for? Not to mention what kind of advertisers are out there and what are the metrics that they are paying attention to? 
Uh, I also like to, you know, because I do think monetization and revenue are very important for people who are interested in podcasting. And that's always part of the conversation as it should be. I also like to steer the conversation towards value that may not be directly tied with revenue, that there's all kinds of reasons why somebody should start a podcast and might want to grow a podcast that have nothing to do with raw, you know, dollars and cents. And that that's oftentimes it's a creative outlet. It's a tool for growing your community and networking. It's a place where you can refine your communication strategies and think broadly about the kinds of audiences you want to reach. All of that is not necessarily about how much, you know, revenue a podcast returns, but there are good, compelling reasons to, you know, put your time, effort, and energy into growing a stellar podcast. And yeah. And Caroline, can you speak a little to what was your goal for your working life when you started it? But then, as you mentioned, when you left your job working for someone else to focus solely on your business, what role does the podcast play in your larger business? Yeah, I'll give you a 30 second uh, backflash just to set this up for context. So uh, 10 years ago now, I, I had a, a show on CBS radio called Career Coach Caroline. And it was a fascinating experience. We did it for about two years and worked with a producer at, at CBS and had all of these interesting real-time call-ins, right? And it happened at the five o'clock Eastern time zone. So it was a commuter show. People listened and called in. And that was that was great while it lasted, but it was a bit wacky in that you, you never knew who was going to call in and you got some kooks and then you got some real people who had great questions to share. But the reality was CBS said, we're cutting this. It's not a good business investment for us. But I had developed this audience. And I thought, you know what? Just because CBS is done with with talk shows, it doesn't mean I need to be done. So that was the catalyst for me to say, I think I'm going to try a podcast and cultivate and honor this audience that I've developed and bring on other experts and really put myself out there as a thought leader. So that was why I initially started podcasting. Then Claire, so happy that you joined the team. Laura joined the team. And we decided that we needed to really up our game to to showcase me as a thought leader in the career development space and really provide value. And this is where Michael just revolutionized what we did. Because yes, monetization is certainly a goal for me, but the return on investment for the listener is really important. When I get hits from someone who's listening to my podcast that says, we want to bring you in as a coach, we want to bring you in as a speaker or a trainer, that's a return on investment for me and for my audience. I want them to get little nuggets of of things that they can put into practice to make their life and careers better on a daily basis. So I invested in what the audience gets out of it, if that makes sense. If someone really wants to know what you're like as a speaker, as a coach, your podcast gives them more time and more information just because it's longer form and you don't have to cut things off as quickly. And I think that's such a huge benefit to people who go into it as um, like one component of a business is you can really flesh out ideas, like you were saying, and really prove that you're a thought leader. Um, do you feel like it's helped with your speaking gigs because people can hear what you are like talking about these topics? Yeah, absolutely. Every episode is a bit of an audition, if you will, right? They can hear what's happening. And, you know, I also write books and I will tell you, I love that process. But the what I think of as a podcast is a, a virtual book, right? It's an ebook of sorts in an episodic 
uh, medium. So it's it's an opportunity to share content and highlight experts around the world. And quite candidly, I learn so much from every show. So I feel like, gosh, if I'm learning great things that are helping me navigate life and career, then it's helping the audience. And I'm sure Michael has experienced this with his podcast. When you hear back from the audience on a regular basis, as I do, it's really gratifying to know this is landing, right? People around the world are benefiting from this information. So for me, that's a win. I'd like to tell you about a special offer. If you want to bring your podcast to life or up your podcast game, you can get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn using my special code, CDH work. The Libsyn team will get your podcast on Apple and Spotify and give you access to critical stats and all the support you need to sound your best and grow your show. Use my special code CDH work. the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create a healthy workplace culture, or prevent burnout in your organization, I can create customized content to help you recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. Connect with me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So Michael, we've talked a little bit about how uh, Caroline's experience with starting a podcast, you know, helped her flesh out her her business. You also have a podcast, and will you talk a little bit about it and the role it plays in your life? And I'm talking about Famous and Gravy. I know you've worked on a couple shows. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Famous and Gravy, a conversation about quality of life, one dead celebrity at a time. Uh, on every episode, we choose a recently dece- deceased celebrity and ask the question, would you want that life? Uh, and it's a. I've been thinking about it more and more as a little bit of a subversive show, uh, in that it is kind of like a barroom conversation with a good friend, uh, but has undertones of real self exploration and uh, and aspiration. You know, we are trying to use uh, people whose lives we might learn from to say what do we want out of our own lives and what might we be doing better. Um, I, you know, this was a show that kind of emerged out of uh, pandemic times. I, during lockdown, I reached out to my friend and we developed it together. We're uh, 52 or three episodes in now, I forget. Um, part of the, you know, it's part of my philosophy has always been if I want to help people like Caroline or any other creator who's been around or who's maybe new, anybody really, uh, or organization for that matter, it, I, I need to be an active participant in the podcast space. I need to be a creator myself. Um, and as Caroline was saying before the break, I find all these co-benefits of things that I can learn that I never could have expected. Now, one thing I really discovered about myself when I first got into podcasting is that uh, I learned through dialogue. I learned through conversation. I mean, I, I'm an avid reader and I watch plenty of documentaries, but one of the great benefits of podcasting is that it's a safe place to 
bounce ideas off people and learn from other people's experiences. And I come away from every episode I work on, really, whether it's Famous and Gravy or anything else, um, with with lessons that I can apply to other places in my life. It's It's very rich and rewarding that way. And that's maybe my favorite thing or one of my favorite things about podcasting. Michael, I kind of want to talk about, you mentioned this earlier when you were first working with Caroline, you give her a 30,000 foot view of the industry. Let's talk a little bit about the industry for people who aren't in the middle of it, but you know might be wanting to start a show or have one uh, as part of their business venture and want to grow it. Um, because the podcast industry is still so new. We're still kind of in the first decade of it being as popular and profitable as it is right now. It's been around for a long time, but if if we all recall, we were not listening to podcasts every day in 2011 like totally. we are now. Yeah. So, you know, we're constantly getting more data. When you first start working with Caroline or someone else like her who has a show, what are some of those strategy conversations or like big picture industry things you do talk them through. Yeah, sure. I mean, so one of them I've, I've certainly already mentioned, which is uh, I do like to, I, I think it's very healthy to be attentive to value that you might get from podcasting that is not necessarily tied in with uh, money, tied in with revenue, because I think, because um, I think it's very easy to ignore that and get caught caught up with that. Uh, at the same time, of course, that matters. You know, I really try and let the conversations unfold organically to see where people are coming from, what their motivations for podcasting may be. For the vast majority of people I work with, podcasting is one of many activities that they are uh, participating in. And they, they may be active on other forms of social media, or they may be uh, consultants, coaches, they may have their brands or businesses. For some people, the show is the main thing. Uh, and, and that, you know, people are creating a podcast and everything else they're doing around that is meant to direct attention to the podcast. But for most people, it's, um, it's, it's a side project, even if it's a central project. So I try and really frame people's expectations around why, why do it in the first place. I also really like to ask people what their points of inspiration are. I think great art begins with mimicry. I like to talk to people about who their favorite hosts and interviewers are uh, and say, can we learn, can we deconstruct those shows and learn something from what those skilled interviewers and storytellers are doing? Um, and then, you know, I, I, I guess another point, and maybe this is in that first category, but I, I do think that uh, that this whole idea of learning, which has been a real theme of this conversation so far, for me, podcasting is <laughs> the joke I sometimes make is I got into it because I like talking and much to my chagrin, I found out that the job is about listening. Um, but that's a life skill. And that's a that's a deep and profound life skill. And if you take that to heart, then um, then I think you really sort of have your mind oriented in a good way for uh, for where to go from there. I guess, uh, you know, beyond that, I will try and do my best to give people a kind of crash course on the state of the market. There are something like 4 million podcasts out there. I think that number is deceiving because it's more like 800,000 active uh, podcasters. Um, so people who have released something in the last 30 days. There's lots of uh, pod fade is a term you hear a lot. People uh, are excited about it. They get into it and they discover it's a lot more work and harder than you imagined. So something like 
50% of all participants drop off after episode six and another 50% around episode 20. Uh, and so, you know, I like to tell people that happens and say, you know, why does that happen? And uh, if that's something you, that's not, I don't think a bad thing necessarily. I think it's more a statement that it does take work if you want to execute on a great show. And then I guess the last thing I'll say is that um, I really encourage people to think about how they might differentiate, that you want to look very closely at your show concept and say, who can I reach with my podcast that I don't feel like is getting representation, that's not an audience that's getting messages that I care about and stories that I care about. Um, so I care a lot about um, trying to find something modular and unique in a concept so that so that, you know, an audience finds a lot of value and, and falls in love with your show. Yeah. And, you know, this I'll start with Caroline with this next question and then we'll go to you, Michael. But Caroline, in your point of view, what were some of the most challenging things about learning how to make, you know, a well-produced or um, podcast or how to be a host? You know, what were the biggest learning curves for you? So a couple of things that Michael taught me, and then Claire, I also want to share some things that you taught me because you have this extraordinary background in public radio, broadcasting, and journalism. And Michael's exactly right. It's listening and enjoying the pause. And it, it's tough for those people that don't understand how podcasts work. Most often, you don't have visual contact with your guests with whom you're having this conversation. So you really need to listen and respect the power of the pause. So Michael is exactly right there. So learning how to have a conversation that is digestible to the listener. For me, I would also say we worked really hard in honoring a time frame that met the attention span of this listening audience. And that was trial and error. You know, way back when on CBS radio, it was an hour and there were excruciating moments at the last half, you know, 20 minutes of that show thinking, oh my God, how are we going to stretch this? So we very intentionally at your working life, focus on that 18 minute TED talk duration because the data tells us people listen. And Michael is exactly right with the way that I can track metrics now. I can tell when people start and stop listening. And the good news is they're listening all the way through, which for us is a win because if they're if they're cutting out halfway through, there's there's something lacking, right? So that listening attention span was really important in our learning curve. And another thing that Michael helped me really hone in on is how do you make it compelling by title? I used to have Your Working Life with Claire McInerney. That's great if people know you, Claire, and think you're extraordinary, and you are, but there's something more compelling about that title. And Michael really taught me how to hone in on that to capture that audience and encourage them to tune in before they, they even listen. Michael, when you work with other clients, what are some of the other challenges you've seen or just aha moments people have where you're like, no, this actually matters. And just because I think everyone can learn from each other's learning moments. Sure. I know. I mean, I, I do think, you know, uh, uh, Caroline mentioned the title. I, I think that I, I, there's a figure I sometimes share that uh, that was uh, loaned to me uh, that's that's about the listener acquisition process, which includes episode title, episode description, podcast title, podcast description, artwork, web presence. I mean, and, and the first three minutes of a show, there's all these little things to be attentive to, and it can be exhausting. So you want to have some sort of organization with that. I think one thing that happens really commonly 
with uh, with a lot of new podcasters is, I guess, a couple of things. One is that um, they have to kind of develop their own rapport with the microphone and learn how to steer an interview or a conversation uh, in, a, in a direction so that they're delivering on the value proposition of their show. A, a lot of podcasters will sort of have a, a open, open-ended questions that it's not really sure where things are going and you don't necessarily know, you know, is this going to work out by the end of the recording? So I, I'm very uh, bullish on trying to have a lot of interview prep and if it's an interview-based show or a clear sort of uh, driving question for any, any format of an episode uh, or for a podcast. Um, I think the other thing that happens is that for me, podcasting and audio production are fundamentally collaborative, that um, one of the things that I think can really happen with a host is that you get very, very close to your material, and it's very hard to have perspective on what is coming through to the audience. You need somebody, an editor, a producer, who can step back and say, I think this is working, I think this is engaging, or this is not. Um, Because in my opinion, you need to have at least somebody on the team who knows the story, who knows the material, who's driving it and somebody else on the team who's saying this is what's coming through and this is what's not um i i find a lot of people at myself included falling into the trap of trying to wear both hats and i think uh i i think it it, it can create a lot of problems some people can get around that because they're just so charismatic but uh but I do think that being able to get step back advice on what's working and what's not is invaluable because, again, it's fundamentally a collaborative uh, undertaking. Claire, can I jump in? I'd love to add to what Michael just shared. So, Michael, I'm, I'm so animated right now because I'm absolutely nodding my head in agreement with what you're saying. And I want this global audience to understand our process on your working life, which, Michael, you heard about and then enhanced. So, again, Claire, honoring your extraordinary expertise, we very intentionally have a what we call the pre-call with every prospective guest for a couple of reasons. Claire's superpower is having that conversation to figure out the emotional arc of the show. And in any any format, whether it's film or it's radio or podcasting or television or even live theater, that's the emotional experience that the audience member gets. So Claire's pre-call conversation picks out all those themes, which I'll tell you, nine times out of 10 are very different than the stock questions that these authors and speakers and thought leaders have in their press kit, because everybody asks those questions, right? So Claire really dives deep and figures out, how do we make this unique? And one of the first things that I say to the guests right before we go on air to record is, how can I make this unique experience today special for you? And I'm not kidding you. Everybody says, no one's ever asked me that. And that's good, right? We want to make it unique and different, not only for the audience, but for the guest. So Michael, hats off to you and to Claire for helping us make that work on this show. Yeah. And I think, you know, Michael mentioned this, there are so many podcasts out there that, especially if someone's promoting a book, you know, they're doing a lot of press, they're talking to a lot of people. And if we can find a way to have our conversation stick out a little bit more, then hopefully we're the podcast they, the, the audience listens to with that, that one guest. So this will be my last question. But again, if people are listening and have 
started doing a podcast or are thinking about it, I really do think with so many shows out there, quality has to matter if you want to, you know, get on people's radar and be a leader in whatever area you're trying to make a show in. And so let's talk about like what a good quality show would look like if you're starting out, what equipment, what, uh, you know, care should you take that just sets you a little bit apart from the people, you know, yelling into a laptop? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that, uh, you mentioned equipment. I do think, uh, having a good quality microphone matters a lot. I think that, uh, sound quality, you know, we are at a place where there's so many shows out there that if, if listeners hear subpar quality in the first 30 seconds, you know, what that's communicating on a subconscious level is, uh, I, the host, don't really care that much about my show. I haven't even bothered to buy a microphone. Um, the much harder part is the creative development. How am I doing something here unique that that I feel like nobody else is doing that I'm uniquely qualified to do and delivering on that promise? Ira Glass of This American Life will sometimes talk about the creative chasm, uh, you know, the distance between the thing you want to be doing and the thing you're actually doing. In my experience, and I think... Uh, I think Ira Class supports this point. Uh, the only way through it is sort of brute force experimentation, reps behind the microphone. But I do think you can get really close really quickly by a lot of experimentation. So a lot of what I encourage for people who are new to podcasting, I like to encourage people to break things out into stages and say, you know, let's think about a pilot phase if it's a new show. Or if it's an existing show, I say, let's try and step back from production for a minute and, and do a workshop that create a little bit of breathing room. Um, because I think the more you can, I don't know, think about things, simplify things essentially into a shorter term uh, set of experiments and, and you know, really thoughtful storytelling, then the more you can cross that creative chasm and, you know, deliver on what you hope to be delivering on. One thing I'll, I'll add as a, as a parting bit of wisdom, it, it's so important for all of us as creators to ask for feedback because we often get into our own little bubble and we, we love what we're doing. We're pouring yes. our heart and soul mm -hmm. into it, but we've got to have those people on the other side, like Michael, like Claire, and, and in our case, Laura, our third colleague, to ask for feedback so we're not producing what we do in a vacuum. And I also have some listeners that are, that are around the world that I check in with on a periodic basis to say, what's working, what's not, and how can we up our game? Because if you don't ask for that, it's really easy to get static and uh, just rest on your laurels. And that's never healthy in, in any environment. So up your game and ask for feedback. I love that you check in with listeners. That's great. Yeah, that's really cool. Claire and Michael, thank you for a terrific conversation. And please tell this global audience how they can connect with you after the show. Michael, I'll pass the baton to you first and then to Claire. Uh, okay. If you are interested in talking more about podcasts, if you have an idea for a show, or if you have an existing show, you can reach me at 14thstreetstudios.com. Uh, 14th Street uh, Studios is spelled out. Uh, and then uh, check out my podcast, Famous and Gravy. Uh, it's a fun listen, and it's uh, somewhere where I've got to say I've been deriving a lot of lessons about uh, what works and what doesn't. And it's a new format. Uh, people seem to be enjoying it, and uh, and I have a lot of fun putting it together. Famousandgravy.com. That's awesome. Michael, Claire, tell us about you. 
Yes. Well, I'm, I'm an individual producer, so I would just say my website, you know, shows all the different podcasts or projects I've worked on and leads you to me if you want to chat. And that's clairemcinerney.com, C-L-A-I-R-E-M-C-I-N-E-R-N-Y.com. Awesome. And I always want to give a special shout out to my your your working life colleagues. Claire, you're with us today, but a special shout out to Laura Deck, our executive director of publicity and communications. You really do make this show awesome for our global audience. And Michael, cheers to you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you continue to teach me. We now have listeners in 16 countries around the world. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening.